0: Welcome to Fruit Bowl.
1: An oral history of queer sex.
0: Masculine tops.
1: Power bottoms.
0: Butch girls, femme boys. heirs, otters, unicorns.
1: There's no shortage of labels that queer people use to describe different sexual identities and
2: preferences.
1: But how do we navigate that horny, thorny path between realizing we're queer and deciding which boxes to check when filling out our dating profiles?
0: Fruit Bowl features first-person stories that explore the unique ways we develop our sexual identities by sharing the sometimes messy, always fascinating, real-life sex histories of queer people.
1: Our first introduction to sex, the embarrassing moments we'd like to forget, and the reliable bedroom moves that we've discovered along the way. Basically, all the stuff we wish we'd known when we first came out.
0: Interviews are edited for clarity and brevity because we all know how much we love to talk about ourselves.
1: Thanks for listening. Let's begin. Welcome to the second episode of Fruit Bowl. Today I'm joined by my co-host, James. Hi, James. Hello. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh,
3: My name is James. I live in Seattle. Uh, I do massage for a living. Uh, I really love it. And, uh, on the side, I like to, uh, do porn. All right. (laughs) I (laughs) wouldn't consider myself a porn star, but, um, I guess I am. (laughs) (laughs) So what kind of porn do you do? Uh, I am sort of self-made right now. I have a Just for Fans page and an OnlyFans page, and I kind of self-promote on Twitter. And, uh try to get as much following as possible. So I record my own stuff. I do a lot of oral stuff. Uh, I scheduled my first orgy bukkake party. I'd never done that before. Uh, I did that for my birthday, and that was exciting. Um, (laughs) How did that go? It was wonderful, and everybody was really uh, interactive and fun. Everybody was open to being recorded and signing away their (laughs) ability to be on film. Oh, wow. Um, So
1: these were amateurs as well?
3: Yes. Actually, it was just mostly like people in the city. Mm -hmm. People that had reached out to me in the past that uh, wanted to make videos with me. Mm -hmm. I uh, reached out to them to see if they were interested in doing this, and they did. So I got... Eleven guys together. It was during the big snowstorm, snowpocalypse of Seattle. So <laughs> That's the group perfect. Exactly. The group should have been bigger. Uh, but those eleven were really dedicated to fulfilling my birthday fantasy <laughs> of a bukaki party and uh, it worked out wonderfully. Um and eleven people in your apartment? Uh, it was in my partner's apartment.
1: Okay. Because yes, your all... place is pretty small. Yeah, it is.
3: <laughs> <laughs> His bedroom basically just has a bed in it, and uh, we were able to set up a sling and still have enough room for
1: everybody to uh, spread out and do their own thing. So Cool. Yeah. And, and for those of us who don't know, what is a Bukkake party? <laughs> <laughs> Bukaki
3: is uh, to... Have a bunch of guys come on you, mostly okay. the face to come on your face. Yeah. Um, I had always wanted that experience, and I'd never actually like tried to complete it, so that was my birthday goal mm-hmm. for this year.
1: <laughs> and it happened what, and it worked. Right. And you made your wish come true.
3: I did. Seattle is definitely a very sex positive city. Mm-hmm. Uh I didn't know if I would even get that much of a response. I think I had 45 people interested. Wow. When I started the process. Uh, and then I had um, like 25 or 30 of them committed. And then we had the snowstorm and still 11 of those braved the snow to come out and do it. So this is definitely the right city to do something like that in.
1: And I feel like in any situation like that, it's like asking people to come to a party, any party. Like there's going to be people who, who fall off and don't come through and absolutely it's kind of why i shot big for Mm -hmm. it
3: if i could get as many people as possible that were interested i knew there would be a fraction of them that would actually like Mm -hmm. follow through
1: yeah and are you gonna do it again i have another
3: one planned uh for like may or june and then another for july because so many people that couldn't come to that first one were really bummed out about it (laughs) and they reached out to me and was like when is the
1: next one so (laughs) nice yeah (laughs) (laughs) cool well we're gonna get to know you a little bit better and a little later in the program when we hear your interview but first we're going to listen to our friend Carlos's interview um Carlos lives here in Seattle and he's a design professional and also is a, an amazing entertainer, host of parties and such um I don't know, how else would you describe Carlos? Uh, I think
3: he nailed it. Yeah. He's thrown some really fun parties. Um, I don't know. He's a really sweet guy. Like, super kind.
1: Yeah. <laughs> a people person. Absolutely. And a, and a, a tour, which makes his interview really fun. I told him that after we finished the interview, and he was like, well, that's just a nice way of saying I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that's not what I meant. I mean, if you are going to say that someone's old, that's
3: the nicest way to do
1: it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But he's a good teller of stories. So I'm really excited to share his interview. So let's listen to it right now.
2: When I first learned about sex, actually, was one time I happened to walk into my parents' bedroom and saw them having sex. And I remember as a kid, I just saw these two bodies, um, you know, doing things on the bed. And I was very confused by what I was seeing. So I went back to my bedroom and and later on I asked my mom the next morning, "Um, what were you and dad doing last night? And her face went so red. Oh my God, it was hysterical. 1984 the Olympics were in Los Angeles. I was still living there where we lived the velodrome where they do the cycling was near our house And so there were cyclists constantly everywhere and that was the first time I really saw like really fit masculine Thick legged, you know muscular men wearing these skin tight spandex outfits. And I was like Yeah that I like But other than that, it was just uh, typical things where, you know, you hear from friends or you see dirty magazines, um, just things like that. Never really was a big person for porn necessarily. Plus... Porn really wasn't available very much to us back in the 70s. My dad would have Playboy magazines and whatnot, but you know, that didn't really work for me. Um, My mom did have a Playgirl magazine, and I remember it specifically because it had uh, Peter Lupus, who was the big muscle guy in the original uh, Mission Impossible show. He was so hot, oh my God. Found out later that my brother was also looking at that same magazine too. During that time period, I was working at a Warehouse Music that also did video, and I worked in the video side. I remember there was a videotape of the band Dead or Alive. They had their concert for Rip It Up, their greatest hits album, and, and stuff like that. And I remember writing because I always liked their music, you know, Spin Me Round, you know, always really fun. That concert was super instrumental to me in my life because, you know, here was Pete Burns completely out, all dragged up, singing and having this incredible time. And he had these really, now looking back, really cheesy backup dancers that kept tearing their clothes off and having like little reveals of either like little spandex shorts or a little thong. And I was like, I like that. So I actually bought the video from work and I kept it for many, many years. I don't know where it went. I think we sold it in a garage sale, which sucks because that's out of print. It's worth money. But that video, and it's funny because I've talked to other people and other people are like, oh, yeah, I know that video. I've seen that one too. It's really good. <laughs> Before I went to go live with my brother in Berkeley, I went to go visit him, and he had a roommate that he lived with, uh, who they had been friends because they went to college and so they were living together. And uh, Maury was his name. Maury had a stack of international mail catalogs by his bed. (laughs) Maury was straight. um, But then at the same time, my brother was also straight, so you kind of know where that's all going. But I went to go visit my brother and hung out with him for for a weekend. And when I left, I took all of Maury's International Mail catalogs with me. I stole them from him. To which years later, he would still remind me. He's like, oh, I know what you did with those catalogs. And I'm like, well, I know what you were doing with those catalogs too, because we were doing the same. But, oh my God, International Mail catalogs. Those are so scandalous. I love them. They were so hot. I do remember the first time I had sex, uh, my very first, I guess he was my very first boyfriend, Kevin. Um, I was 18. It would have probably been about 1989, roughly around that time period. Um, I think I was coming home for one of my first va- uh, first holidays from college. Um, I didn't have a lot of money, so I wasn't really sure how I was going to pay for the next semester of school. And so I was really kind of in flux. But... I did know that I was gay. I figured that out in my head. I wasn't ready to tell anyone, but I knew it was in my head. And because I didn't know if I was going to be going back to college, I decided that, you know what, if I'm potentially going to be back in Los Angeles, I'm going to explore this gay thing. And I told my dad that I was working. Um, and so I drove out to Santa Monica and, uh, or West Hollywood, I think is where it was, and went to the gay youth group. And it's there that I met Kevin, uh, which I still don't understand why a much older person was at a gay youth group. He actually was a very nice guy. I think he was friends with other people there and they dragged him along. I don't know, maybe. Um, We started chatting and I know I was just this weird little awkward 19 year old. Um, I had hair then, it was really big and bushy. Um, But yeah, we just kind of started talking and kind of hit it off and after the group, Everyone else went off to the gay bars to go hang out in in West Hollywood on the gay bars, but I was too young, so I couldn't do it. So I had to sit outside the bar, you know, just watching, you know, West Hollywood nightlife in front of me. And Kevin sat with me the whole time on the sidewalk and we just talked. And it was really kind of fun. And then he invited me over to his house, and I was like, oh shit, it's gonna happen. So we did end up having sex. Um, It really was not very uh, Exciting or memorable. It was definitely very awkward and he taught me how to kiss so poorly. Oh My god, Um, he was a terrible kisser. He specifically would Like suck my tongue out of my mouth and just pull on it And that's actually where I thought that that's where I kind of learned how to kiss back then It was terrible. Um, And I was so nervous and so scared the whole time having sex thinking, oh my God, I'm finally doing it with a man and he's so attractive. I could not come. (laughs) It was terrible. My heart was racing. I was terrified. I could not come. And we went out with each other for about two weeks or so and I never came the entire time. But I lied to him and made him think I did. It was terrible. Oh, my God, he did kind of instruct me and it wasn't necessarily, oh, put this here, put this here necessarily. But, you know, he would kind of guide me because I really didn't know what to do at all. I was just terrified, Um, but it was definitely very awkward. So a lot of sex I just kind of learned and made up on my own, but that was certainly my first experience with it. But I spent the night at his place, so suddenly I had to explain to my dad where I was all night because it wasn't normal for us to stay out all night. So I came home that next morning and I called my dad because he, he was already at work and he's like, oh, okay, where were you? I said, well, dad, um, I met someone. Oh. Yeah, I met a girl. You did? Yeah, I had sex. Oh. And I, basically I took all the details about Kevin and turned him into Kathy. <laughs> and told my dad this whole story. He was so proud. <laughs> I don't think he was as proud when he found out later on that Kathy was actually a Kevin, because when I did come out to him, he did ask, well, what about Kathy? I'm like, well, Kathy is uh, not so much. So that's kind of how that whole thing went. So my brother who was living in Berkeley said, why don't you come and live with me? So we shared an apartment, and it was really fun. I had a blast. Um, we had a great time, and one day we were just kind of chatting, and we were walking through the UC Berkeley campus, and he, we were talking, and he said, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to tell me the truth. And I just looked at him, and I was like, yes, I'm gay. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm gay too. And I'm like, really? He's like, well, I'm more bi. Quickly, we figured out that, yeah, in order to be bi, you should have sex with, you know, the opposite sex as well, but he didn't really do that too often. So he's gay, um, but it was fun. So it was right then, I think I was 19, and going to the gay youth groups and uh, meeting a lot of friends. And that's kind of where I really just said, hey, I'm in San Francisco. If I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna be gay. And it was so much fun. I had such a good time. Oh, oh my God, it was so fun. I remember specifically a friend of mine, um, we were leaving a movie or something and we were walking through downtown San Francisco and it just kind of hit me. I just looked at him and I'm like, oh my God, we're young, we're cute, and we're gay. Let's just run around, have tons of sex and do all the drugs. Oh my God, it was so much fun. And it was also, it was a time during um, ACT UP and Queer Nation and Club Uranus and Colossus and all like this, the San Francisco gay nightlife was really starting to just come back to life. Oh my God, it was so, so fun. It's such a good time my best move i don't know if i would call it my best move but it certainly is very effective and i it's worked for me a number of times so uh through craigslist i met another guy a straight guy and um i find that with some of the straight guys i played with they kind of like giving themselves up or putting themselves into that more feminine position because that lets them mentally understand that what they're going to do with another guy. And it's worked for me a number of times. It's always discussed because we always kind of figure it out in advance. So uh, it just keeps it a little more fun. I, I have had a couple of guys that I've surprised by dressing them up and they didn't know it. And normally they want me to you know be the man and take the lead. So I usually have a couple different outfits because you know you have to kind of get a sense of what mood they're going to be in. Are they going to be in like the black lacy slutty thing? Are they going to all be red and you know satiny or something? Or are they going to be like white and pink and kind of a little more um, sissy or virginal something like that? So you see where I keep an eye on where their eyes go and what um, what they're attracted to, and then I just kind of start doing that and bringing that into their fantasy. This guy, and this has actually happened a couple of times. This guy, um, came over really sexy, you know, masculine guy. Um, just, you know, getting away from work and wanted to kind of do some play. So we come over, we already talked about what we were going to do. And so he came over, I start to strip him down. He's never really been with a guy before. I take him out of all of his clothes and then I reach over onto my table and I pull out a pair of panties and I slide the panties up his leg and he is really liking this. So then after that, like a little teddy or something like that, put that on top of him and he's getting very excited by this whole thing. So I sit him down and this always really works. Take the stockings, pull those up, slide those up their legs as you're kind of like running your hands up their legs and going nuts. Take the other stocking, put that one up, dress them all up. He's having a great time. He's very excited. And then um, how we usually start, they're usually seated. And of course, at that point, their face is pretty much at my dick level. So I start kind of rubbing my dick and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, oh, what's in there? So I unbutton and I pull out my dick. And you know, they're always like, oh, that looks so good. That looks so hot. I say, yeah, you know, it's even better when it's pressing up against the back of your throat. Then I just take the back of their head and I shove it on and oh my God, it works every single time. It's so much fun with that. I remember going to you know bathhouses and steamworks and doing all that kind of stuff and that's fun. I remember having sex in alleys so much fun, you know, having sex in bushes. I mean, why not? It's so great. You know, I was <laughs> one time I placed a Craigslist ad. This is tied back to the whole cross-dressing thing. I placed a, a a Craigslist ad, and I got a couple people replying back to it. And so often people on Craigslist will flake out. Um and so I was expecting, okay, you know, I've invited these people, they're all gonna flake out. Seven people showed up. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so I turned into an orgy. Oh my God, it was a blast. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, was I supposed to like make cocktails or something? Like, you know, the crudité platter? No. But <laughs> it was fun. If I were to go back in time and, tell, and see my younger self, um, advice that I would give them to be perfectly honest would be go have more sex go have lots of sex have a good time I would always kind of be the one holding back I'd watch my friends all hook up and I kind of would because I never would think that I was cute enough or I was funny enough or smart enough or they're never really attracted to me they're always attracted to my friend instead and whether that was true or not didn't really matter but I think if I were to go back, I would tell myself, just go have sex, just do it, try it all, have so much fun, experiment, play safely, Um, and just have a blast, why not? That's what it's for. You know, when you're older, you you have that time to have gotten that confidence and to kind of realize that, you know, sex isn't scary, sex is fun, should be fun, you know, and if things are embarrassing or silly or gross or whatever, it's all still, it's all still fun. It's still a good time, or at least it should be. You know, and what's the worst? You have bad sex. Big deal. I mean, I'm definitely older, fatter, hairier. Hairier is good. Um, than I certainly was before. But I look at my my, I look at pictures of myself when I was younger and so awkward and gangly and just this. I don't know. I thought it was very strange looking, but yeah, whatever. I found my man. Right. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> He has low expectations.
1: What'd you think?
3: Uh, he's very uh, open to discussing things. I like when people can discuss sex without, I don't know, having shame mm-hmm. or feeling like they have to use like PG words to describe things, <laughs> which always comes off sounding dirtier to me. <laughs> when, you tra- when you try to censor sex, it always sounds dirtier than if you just said what actually happened. Right. Um. I don't know. We have, He and I actually have some parallels to the things that he talked about in some of my experiences, too. Yeah, like, what awesome. could you identify with? Um, I never saw my parents having sex, but I saw my stepdad naked a couple of times. I was always really curious to see what he looked like, but he was not afraid to walk around the house in a tiny little towel. Or if he got out of the shower and he was hot, he would just sit on the couch with like a tiny washcloth covering his dick. And that was pretty much it. Whoa. Yeah, he would, (laughs) he wanted to like cool off. And I was like, I mean, he's a stepdad, not related to him. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I was telling someone, I think that that's probably where part of my like attraction to daddies and hairy (laughs) older men came from. Yeah. That was one of my first experiences with seeing a man naked was in my own home. Um, the International Mail catalog right. was my first exposure to any type of porn of any kind, even though it's not technically porn.
1: International Mail definitely was like a hotbed of of shirtless men all in one place. Absolutely. <laughs> and they were
3: essentially naked. Pretty much. It yeah. didn't leave much of the imagination. No.
1: <laughs> you could see that they were either circumcised or uncircumcised. Correct perfect ridge (laughs) exposure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, what else jumped out at you? Um,
3: I always wished I had a gay brother. This wasn't a parallel for him, but I always thought it would be, I grew up in a really small town in Nebraska and I didn't have a lot of outlets for anything gay except what I saw on TV. But to have like a gay
1: brother would have been ideal. I think, but the crazy thing is that uh, Carlos didn't come out to his brother until right. They didn't find out until way later. Yeah. yeah. So they had both been having this same experience separately, and then finally came out post post adolescence, probably when they were in their twenties. Right. I'm assuming. But uh, I think it's funny that they were both looking at their mom's Playgirl, yes. the same one. <laughs> I like that he stole his magazines.
3: Oh. That was the other thing I was going to bring up with the magazines. My one of my older sisters, I have three sisters, two older, one younger. One of my older sisters, I found a play girl magazine in her bathroom Mm. and stole that and hung (laughs) on to that for quite a while. Uh, took that with me. Do you remember who was on the cover? I don't. It was somebody random. They had black hair and no body hair. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) That part's
1: disappointing. No
3: body hair. But, you know, if it's natural.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Part of Carlos's interview, to me, that seems so nostalgic now, and this is only just recently, is the recent demise of Craigslist. Yes. And how instrumental it was to his sexual sort of formation and also his way to connect with people. It's just, it's not there anymore.
3: Excuse me. Craigslist, Craigslist was a a really good outlet for... Finding what you needed at the time. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It wasn't an app that you had to sign up for. It could be completely anonymous. Absolutely. That's hard to do now these days. And for it to, the structure of that site isn't
3: great. No. So for (laughs) people to continue to use it, even though it was like, it looks like the early stages of the internet still. Yeah. Uh, But for people to still use that, it must have been a really good outlet for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I mean, people who used it obviously probably couldn't put apps on their phone. Right. Um, and needed to be more under the radar. Obviously, the days of Carlos's going online and finding potential hookups that way is is gone. So I'm curious, how he's finding people now? Well, I was using it. I have a glory hole
3: in my apartment, actually. <laughs> and I was using Craigslist as a way to... Uh, let people know that I have a glory hole without Craigslist I don't really know where I could advertise that there's not a it's not like a glory hole site <laughs> right maybe you should start one there used to be an around me for
1: glory holes <laughs> <laughs> how do you have a glory hole in your apartment like how do you do that uh, it's detachable um, and is it in your bathroom
3: The way my apartment's set up, when you first walk in the door, you're facing my bedroom. Oh, right. And the bathroom is to the left, and then there's a hallway to the right. So I put up a curtain to block off the hallway, which takes you to the whole rest of my apartment. So that's completely blocked off. When they walk in the door, all they see is the hole in front of them and the bathroom next to them. So they can walk up, do their business, and then if they need to use the bathroom, it's right next to them. (laughs) It's kind of a perfect setup for that. Yeah. I just have to give them, you know a way to get into the building and that's pretty much it.
1: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> when was the last time you used that? Um, maybe a month ago. What did you think of Carlos's uh method of sort of easing the straight men into a hookup? Like his his move uh, to put them in women's lingerie? Clothing.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. I a would never have thought to do that or would think that it would work, <laughs> but you know, you do what works for you. <laughs> I feel like that would attract a really specific type of dude, but I love hooking up with straight dudes and married guys.
1: So and do you have a method? Uh, Put I, them ease? I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty outspoken
3: and I'm pretty handsy, especially if I've been drinking. Mm <laughs> hmm. So the straight guys that I've hooked up with in the past have either been, because they were in an environment where I was drinking, and let all of my filter down, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually got them like into
1: a room where they could talk about that stuff, mm-hmm. or we could just like do our thing away from the crowd. But do you find that they usually are relying on you to be the guide? Yes. They, they need somebody to be a guide. 100%. Mm-hmm.
3: A lot of them are very gun-shy about doing it, and um, a few guys that I've had that experience with were very nervous yeah. and needed to be relaxed. And I feel like I can put people at ease pretty quickly. Right. I mean, if I'm touching their dick and it gets hard,
1: <laughs> we already know where it's going. Yeah. I'm just going to like go for it. But if they've never done that before, there is a certain uh, amount of caution you need to take in order to take things slow and make Absolutely. sure they're comfortable. And I feel like Carlos's method of doing that by, by dressing them up yeah, in, even if the guys aren't into the dressing up, I bet just the practice of it and the, the sort of the stages in which it takes place, it eases them into. It's a gradual build. Yeah, the actual act of eventually having
3: sex. It does, and I actually like that Carlos puts the clothes on them mm-hmm. because it gives him an excuse to touch them. Yeah, and it already makes them feel more confident in doing whatever's going to come next.
1: Yes, I think. But I'm fascinated in the sense that the straight men need to be put in a more submissive role. That is fascinating. Because I feel like there might be a, an assumption out there, and maybe it's my own assumption that I'm just being honest about, which is that straight men, if it is their first time, would be the top. But I don't necessarily think that that's true. Right. Now that I've listened to, to Carlos's interview.
3: There's a lot of straight men out there that are not getting what they want out of life sexually. (laughs) To provide that outlet for them is exciting for me, but uh, I agree. I think that a lot of them need to be told
1: what to do or for the other person to sort of be the asserter. Well, if you think about it, it makes sense because most likely when their experiences with women, they're probably the aggressor. Right. So if they want to not be that, then they would be more submissive and more at ease with being told what to do. And if they've never done it before, they would need that. Too. Exactly. So that makes total sense to me. I agree. Um, it's just fascinating to me because I never really thought much about that, that whole process. Yeah.
3: I had never thought to even like approach it that way, but it's very intriguing <laughs> and apparently it works. So
1: maybe you could try it next time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One other thing that I totally identify with Carlos's experience is how his first time wasn't that great and that the guy was like sucking his tongue out of his mouth and like i i just can so much identify with that because i feel like a lot of us had pretty less than spectacular first times (laughs) it sounds funny though with carlos like it sounds like his his First time was with somebody who was older and more experienced, but he didn't sound like he knew what he was doing. Right. I mean, you can still have <laughs> bad
3: sex with experienced people. That's true.
1: <laughs> That's true. I guess I just I want so much for people to enjoy sex, and to hear that their first time was less than satisfying is right. Is is sad. It is a sad. Bit sad. <laughs> I think all bad sex is sad. <laughs> <laughs> and it has to be really bad though
3: to be bad sex. But I also feel that kind of gives you an opportunity to fix right uh, you know what improve. i mean Improve. yeah if you <laughs> practice makes perfect <laughs> yeah <laughs> the more you uh, are able to show them what to do the better they're going to get for next time so yes i support
1: that mm-hmm. me too we're going to take a break and then when we come back we'll listen to your interview beautiful
0: Production support provided by $3 Bill Cinema. $3 Bill Cinema strengthens, connects, and reflects diverse Seattle communities through queer film and media. We provide access to films by, for, and about lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people and their families, and a forum for LGBTQ2 filmmakers to share and discuss their work with audiences. We curate themed screenings throughout the year and produce programs in partnership with other arts, cultural, and service delivery organizations in the greater Seattle area. Visit $3billcinema.org to learn more.
3: Uh, my name is James, I am 40 years old, um, and I grew up in Nebraska. I'm not really sure where I learned about sex. Uh, I feel like growing up, I was always attracted to boys, but didn't know what that meant, or what to do with it, or didn't really associate sex with uh, the way I felt for, toward boys until I got older and started seeing it in movies and TV shows. I mean, I saw Dick like uh, in locker rooms and stuff, but never hard. Um, there was a couple of situations with like classmates. I grew up, when I was really young, we lived, not really young, I was like 11 or 12. Uh, I lived on a farm, and we had this little irrigation pond outside that it would pump water onto the cornfields. Um, that's so country but it would pump water onto the car- cornfields and there was like fish in it. So some of my classmates liked to come to that pond and like fish uh, while I was there. And I came out one day to like just walk around the farm and three of my classmates were there fishing. And uh, I don't know how it started, but there was this game where we were trying to get the pants off of one of the guys. So (laughs) these four, like 11 or 12 year olds were trying to wrestle the pants off of one of the guys. We finally got his pants off. It was my first time really like seeing a dick. But as soon as we did that, one of the boys' father drove up to pick them up, and apparently they got in a ton of trouble. Like, they were, he was so mad at them for whatever game they were playing. But I was curious to see to know like what would have happened if we hadn't been stopped. I don't know. <laughs> when I was really young, my mother uh, was friends with a neighbor down the road, and uh, I... She gave me the task of house sitting for her when she was on vacation for a weekend. And uh, I was supposed to go feed the cat and uh, basically just clean up the house and make sure it um, stayed maintained until she got back. And she had a VHS holder full of videotapes and a lot of them were unmarked, which I found really interesting. So I started putting the unmarked videotapes in the player and eventually found a Horn, and that was my first time of ever actually seeing people have sex on video. So I know I've seen people like kiss in actual movies, but that was the first time I actually saw people having sex, and it was really like intriguing to me. (laughs) The beginning of the videotape had a daisy chain, there was a swimming pool with literally like 25, 30 people around it, just genital to mouth back and forth, all the way around the swimming pool, and that blew my mind. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that, you know, I knew sex existed, I guess, or that people had sex, but I didn't know, like, how it worked. I had no idea that anything like that could ever exist. (laughs) I was probably, like, 12, 13, maybe, when I saw that? And the rest of the videotape was just, like, normal sex. Like, chubby, hairy men and women. You like what you like, and I guess you're influenced at a young age. When I was growing up, the Internet didn't exist, so I didn't have access to a lot of stuff. Um, But I used to buy Vogue magazine because there was always like uh, underwear ads for Calvin Klein or like you could see men that were basically wearing nothing and you could see genitals in them (laughs) uh so i would take like vogue magazine or i would take um i don't know what the other ones were uh big bopper and bop i don't know if you remember those magazines but they are um like teen magazines that have celebrities of teenagers and a lot of times they would be like uh (laughs) an actor but they would have him posing in like a uh uh, like a horse ranch like scooping hay and I thought that was so hot because he'd be shirtless and that was the first time I'd ever seen that actor shirtless. Mark Wahlberg was definitely in there. Super cute body. Uh, beautiful dude. Still, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> He's growing into his daddy face really well. It was really hot to me. So I actually used to do collages for school and sometimes I would slip those in there just to, uh, so something for me, because I knew I'd have to turn this in and I didn't really necessarily want people to know that I was gay, but uh, I always thought that was really hot. Anywhere would I would, where I would, could actually see like, um, accidental skin or skin that I wasn't expecting to see, I would be super attracted to it. Uh, but I did find um, in one of the magazines, there was an ad for, or maybe it was at the back of it, was an ad for international mail, so I mailed off uh, a subscription to that. And it came to you in like a plastic, like a black plastic sleeve, so you couldn't really see what the magazine was. And every time my mother handed me the mail, handed me that, she would ask like, what is this? And I'd be like, ah, it's just a magazine. It's got clothes in it. And I would show her like the front part of it that had the clothing, never showed her the back part that was just like all thongs and underwear and uh, mesh, awesome stuff (laughs) that I could never order. I was actually a virgin until I was 19, which surprises a lot of people, Uh, but I grew up in a really small town in Nebraska, didn't have access to other gay people necessarily. Um, I found out later that the people I grew up with were gay, but didn't know then. Uh, I moved to Lincoln, Nebraska, hoping that it would be a change of pace for me. Lincoln has a lot of gay people, and I... Deliberately picked a neighborhood that was kind of gay heavy. There was a gay bar like three blocks down Even though I wasn't old enough to drink they had college night on Tuesday nights I think so go there every Tuesday night because I could like be in a bar and be around other gay people and it's beautiful Uh, but There was this guy at that bar That I met I think his name was Steven. I can't even remember. Oh, it's that bad that I can't remember my first time his name Uh, anyway I think his name was Steven. Uh, he and I hung out for the whole night. I went back to his apartment, and I was so nervous for it being my first time having sex. I'd been waiting for it for 19 years. Go back to his place. Uh, we sort of started making out and we were watching TV a little bit, and then I pretended to fall asleep so that I wouldn't have to have sex that night because I just, I needed to like think it over one more night. Uh, And then the next day we exchanged numbers and the next day he texted me and wanted to uh, have another like quiet night in and uh, That night I did fucking everything. I Sucked. I fucked. Oh, I did everything. It was really beautiful and wonderful. I didn't fuck him but uh, I, um, I Sucked his dick for so long. I just couldn't get enough of it uh, I was super into balls. I'd never really touched another man's balls before. The first time uh, having a dick in my mouth, the texture of it was so interesting to me. I didn't want to stop doing it. It's probably why I'm obsessed with sucking dick now. I fucking love it. Uh, but the first time I had uh, a dick in my mouth was just like bliss, I guess. It was, it was beautiful. So I sucked his dick, uh, sucked on his balls for a really long time and like, nuzzled them a lot. I remember, uh, I definitely ate his ass. I didn't fuck him, but I ate his ass. Um, He fucked me at least three times that night. Um, It was before prep, so we had to use condoms, which is, you know, it is what it is. I, uh, this is probably weird, but I, after we had sex, I was craving sweets, so I ran to the kitchen and found some Twizzler nibs and uh, sat (laughs) Sat in my bedroom window, like looking at the moon and eating Twizzler nibs. So sometimes I get a craving for Twizzler after I have sex now. I don't know if that's weird, but it's the truth. (laughs) After my first time finally having sex, did everything, ate a bunch of candy. They're um, a perfect compliment to after sex. If you don't smoke, because I hear smoking is good after sex, Um, you get that sugar rush. Probably the weirdest story for sex, the most embarrassing moment I've had. There was this guy when I lived in Dallas who I wanted to have sex with really bad. We were Facebook friends and I saw him at the bar a lot and our interactions were very chemical. Like every time I saw him, we would just walk up and start making out with each other. But for some reason or another, I never went home with him, he never went home with me. And we never actually like hooked up. Uh, then I started dating a guy uh, but made the relationship open, so I knew it was still like a possibility. And one night he uh, texted me. So uh, I went over to his place, uh, walked in, he was completely naked, uh, and I literally just like walked in the door, dropped to my knees, and started like sucking his dick. Uh, And he was like, oh actually, I just want to take a shower really quick. And I was like, okay. So he went into the bathroom, took a shower, I sat on the bed waiting, he came out fully dressed, and said he wanted to uh, smoke some pot first. Uh, I had only smoked pot one other time before, Um, it was not legal in Texas, but i had only smoked it one other time and got no high off of it. So I thought, you know, if I do it again, it's not going to be a big deal and I can finally have sex with this man that I've been like chasing for a year. Uh, So we go outside, fully dressed, uh, took a couple hits off the bong, wasn't feeling anything. He made me take one more hit. Uh, We started talking about something and then he just stopped in mid-sentence and was like, do you feel the universe bending around you? And I hadn't felt anything until he said that. And I looked up at the sky and everything literally just started like bending. I <laughs> felt like I was looking through a tube at everything I looked at. I got super nauseous. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't have control over like uh, my emotions. Like I was feeling like anxious and like scared, but kind of like horny and, <laughs> uh, So I just turned to him and I was like, I need to lay down for a second. I just need like this feeling to pass So I ran into his bedroom Belly flopped onto the bed passed out immediately Uh, I don't know how long I slept but I came to and uh, I felt my shirt was off at this point So I don't know how my shirt became off uh, But my pants were still on and I felt like my back getting wet I felt like there was like a sprinkle on my back and I rolled over onto my back and looked up and the dude was straddling the bed. He was tall, so he's like 6'3. He had his arms on the headboard and his feet on the feet board, or a footboard. And he was naked and like slowly like pissing on my back, just little squirts. I flipped over and I was like, are you pissing on me? And he was like, yeah, but just a little bit. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I got up, found my shirt, put it on, ran out the door. Um, I had parked right outside his house. Uh, So I got in my car, tore down the road, like, trying to get the fuck away from him. I was still, like, high and felt weird. Uh, So I was driving down the road, and I didn't know really where I was because I was, like, high. And I heard a voice, like, in my window telling me to come back. And I looked, and he was next to my car, like... I thought I was like driving super fast. I was going super slow. Like he was walking at a slow pace, keeping up with me. And he's like, just come back. Everything is fine. And I was like, no, I was like, how are you keeping up with me? I didn't understand how this man was like able to chase down my car so easily. It was freaking me out. <laughs> so. I put a GPS on, and put on the, the voice, and set the phone next to me, and just listened to what she said. Like, as she would tell me to take a right, and I would take a right. Like, I was just blindly following this voice in the passenger seat next to me. This dude was, chased me down for like a block, and then was like, fuck it, and left. Uh, got home, fell asleep on my face with my ass in the air, uh, woke up the next morning the same way. It was awful and I never even got to have sex with him. I had his dick in my mouth for like 30 seconds and then uh, never heard from him again. That's all right, I've made up for it since. I am very oral. Uh, I would say my best move is probably to deep throat. I don't have much of a gag reflex on purpose. I have slowly worked that out. It's a non-factor for me. If I can get somebody who can make me gag, it's kind of impressive. I do have a friend who I hook up with kind of consistently and I'm pretty sure that's his new goal. He's never said that to me, but every time I suck his dick, uh, he (laughs) he works it. I think he wants to see if I can hit the point of like gagging on it. But I love to flip over on the back of the bed and just have it go straight down my throat. It's probably my best move. (laughs) You hang your head off the bed, the dick can go straight down your throat. You just open, and they fuck it. Like any other hole, and it's really hot. (laughs) Unless her dick curves down, it's a whole different uh, position you gotta get into. Uh, If the dick goes down, you can actually just get on your knees, just straight up. If a dick goes down, it can go down your throat. I call it gonzo nose, is that what that dick's called? Uh, it can go straight down your throat and it's no no muss, no fuss. <laughs> Take that dick in any position. It's beautiful. I grew up uh, in a small town. After I graduated and left that town, I realized that every year... I mean, my town was less than a thousand people big. It was small. So the class sizes were like 20, 25 people. Uh, every class, like three years behind me and three years ahead of me, turned out a gay every single year. So I think that if I could go back and tell myself uh, what to look for, I would definitely make myself a lot more sexually open. I was a little scared of getting found out that I was gay, so I tried to keep everything, I never denied it. Someone called me a fag, I would just tell them to fuck off. Uh, But I would definitely tell myself to um, be more open, that sex is natural. I would have loved to have experienced some type of sex before 19, that would have been, Awesome. did nothing, I never kissed a boy, never sucked a dick, never got fucked. I have finally gotten to a point in my life now where I feel really good about who I am. I feel good about uh, how I look. Um, I don't know. I always felt like it was really shameful to be uh, like sexually open or to want to have sex a lot or to be attracted to so many guys. And when I turned 21, on my 21st birthday, I met a guy that I ended up having a 10 year long monogamous relationship with. Uh, Never cheated on him once. Uh, That relationship ended with him cheating on me. I'm not sure how long that had been going on before it actually happened, but after that relationship was over, I made a vow to myself to never put myself in that situation again, because there was so much temptation. There was a lot of guys who propositioned me for stuff, but I wanted to be a good wife or whatever, uh, and not cheat on my husband. So I uh, squashed down everything that I felt and wanted to do for 10 years. So my entire 20s, I didn't do anything except have sex with this one person. I mean, it was good sex, but it was only good sex for like the first six years. And then we sort of like grew apart as people and then just stopped having sex pretty much completely. Um, but after that, I experimented with a couple of open relationships. Some of them were really great and I learned a lot. And a couple of them were, um, I mean, they were still good relationships, but, uh, they just weren't right for me. And now I'm in a position where I feel like I can be who I want to be. I can do what I want to do and I don't have to feel ashamed of it. Um, I feel like I'm among my friends anyway, I'm known for being being promiscuous or slutty or whatever you want to call it. And I don't have friends who shame me for that. Anybody who makes me feel bad about who I am or what I want to do are not people that I want to spend any kind of quality time with. They would just be like bar friends, you know? Um, I don't know, that would be my advice to the world. I wish the world would be more open. I know not everybody wants to have sex with everybody (laughs) and always. but if you do, you should not feel bad about that. It's just part of your makeup. It's part of your DNA. It's part of who you are as a person. So you should embrace it and make smart choices about it. I love it. I love sex.
1: All right, we're back. Hi. <laughs> what was it like listening to yourself?
3: Um, I sounded amazing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh I had forgotten one of the stories, actually, that I had told you and didn't realize that I had told that story. That's Which one? I had actually forgotten about uh, telling you about it, about the, um, the dude with the drugs. I yeah. It was pot, but I'm pretty sure he laced it with something else. I'm yeah. not really sure. Sounds like I've it. been high many, many times since then, and I've never had that experience again, so I don't know what was happening that night, but
1: yeah. I actually kind of forgot I told you that story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be totally upfront with you. A friend of mine listened to this interview, and they are a younger generation, and they were pretty disturbed by that story in terms of its being an example of not a consensual situation. I could see that. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that?
3: Uh, I never felt like I was in danger. Like I said, when I was saying it then. I had known the guy for at least a year. We were Facebook friends. We saw each other a lot. We made out a lot. Um, He had an opportunity when I passed out on his bed to do a lot more than he did. And he just decided to be weird and pee on me, which was a little strange. Uh, At the time, it was scary because I didn't know what was going on and I didn't know how I was feeling. I didn't have control over that. But once I woke up the next day, it didn't feel like a scary situation. I never saw him in that capacity again, but I did see him out before and he was still friendly. You know, like we had enough people in common that it never felt weird. Right. I could see where that story translated to somebody else or someone else hearing it, especially in this day and age. I feel like it's definitely a hot button and kids growing up now are being taught a, different way of consent than I think existed probably in the late 90s early 2000s.
1: The consent then is different than it is now. Uh, Is that what you're saying? The consent is probably the same
3: but the way you would approach getting consent from someone I feel like is a little different now. I feel like people are walking on eggshells a lot more now than they did 20 years ago. Right. When that was happening. Or however many. 10 years.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm curious what his reaction was when he was peeing on you and you were like what the fuck are you <laughs> doing? I mean, you 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 reference it in your interview, and he's just like, "I'm only peeing on you a little." I mean, do you think that in his mind, it wasn't really something that merited more explicit consent on your part?
3: Yeah, I think in his head, it probably seemed okay. Yeah, and he's probably had that exact same experience with other people who reacted to it differently than I did. You know, I feel like someone doesn't wake up one morning and think, you know what I want to do tonight? I want to get somebody stoned and piss on them while they're sleeping on my bed. I don't think anybody sets out for that <laughs> right? experience, necessarily. Uh, but he was also a super nice guy, and I, if he did lace it, whatever I smoked that night, mm-hmm. maybe it affected him in a weird way, too, and mm-hmm. he was just like, here's what I have to do now. I have no idea.
1: Yeah. So, I'm curious, like, if he had asked you before doing it, would you have given consent? Like I mentioned in the interview, I was in a monogamous
3: relationship for almost 10 years. It was my entire 20s. And before I got into that relationship, I had only slept with maybe five men. I had not had a lot of experience. And I didn't know that water sports were a thing then or that people enjoyed being peed on. Mm -hmm. To me, it only felt weird because I didn't know that men enjoyed doing that. I never even considered it. I didn't know it was even on the docket. I didn't know that this was a thing at all. So I feel like for me, it would, the experience would have been a little bit different if he had approached me sober right. and said, here's the thing the guys like to do, and I would like to try it on you. I would have 100% said yes. Really? Yeah. I would have tried it at least once.
1: Do you think maybe that has something to do with the fact that now, looking back, you're not as traumatized by the event as you could be otherwise, maybe?
3: Um, Maybe. Or maybe because I've experienced enough stuff now. Like, when I think back on that experience, like I said, it doesn't really feel scary. And I can... hear, Like, hearing it again, I could hear where it might sound differently to a different set of ears. Yeah. But because I was in it and I was experiencing it, I experienced it a different way and it didn't really feel scary. Yeah. But if I had... If the circumstances had changed i still would have i definitely would have slept with him because he was really sexy and i wanted it for so long i'm actually a little sad that i didn't actually just like go back and do that (laughs) (laughs) it would have been nice to have that experience but
1: right the one that got away yeah just as a general note i feel like as gay men we have all had hookups that have gone horribly wrong You know, and I feel like when I listen to that story, that's how I interpret it. And it's a story that you remembered as a result of me asking you the question, what was the most embarrassing sex experience you've ever had? Right. (laughs) Um, And I just am I'm mentioning it because through the throughout the series, I'm just going to sort of articulate what the questions were that I asked people because I've removed myself from from the interview. So I've got a lot of really interesting responses to to that question and and your story is is definitely a standout in the sense of its sort of bizarreness and <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. Uh like you mentioned like discussions of consent now are much more charged. We're living in a culture of me too and and I feel like the conversation around consent is much more explicitly defined. I completely agree.
3: And I think in a lot of ways it kind of needs to be. Yes, totally. <laughs> I think it's going the right direction. I feel like people need to sure give consent or ask consent before they do things like that. Well, and mostly so that people don't have that kind of experience because it was bizarre.
1: Right? Like <laughs> maybe now you would have looked at his profile and it would have said water sports and you would have known up front if that was something that he would be interested in. Absolutely. So when you hook up with people, do you usually want to iron out what will happen explicitly before they come over? It depends. Uh,
3: I, like I've mentioned before, I'm very oral. So a lot of my, if I want to hook up with somebody, a lot of it um, is geared toward that. And then I don't have a lot of discussions because I know they're coming over to basically get a blowjob. Yeah. uh, If I want to pursue something else, if I want to do anal or whatever else is happening at the time, uh, I like to iron out those details. I never want to get there and expect that one thing's going to happen and it doesn't. Also, (laughs) the process of like preparing for anal, <laughs> I don't want to go through the whole process if I don't have to. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Let's not waste our time. <laughs> Let's not
1: waste our money on fleet enemas. And... Exactly. Use them when you need them. <laughs> right. That's a really good point. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But also, I feel like having an oral hookup, there's less baggage Like, it's sort of more of a fun, like, let's just get off and do this and go on our way. And, yeah, anal sort of requires a lot more... It's a commitment. ...production.
3: (laughs) It does, for sure. (laughs) It's a time commitment, (laughs) resources.
1: Right. One thing I love about your interview is that we have so much in common, because I grew up in Kansas in a small town. So we're both Midwest boys. And then we both moved to Dallas. Mm -hmm. But one of the decisions I made in high school was to definitely go to a college that was out of state and in a metropolitan area that I knew had a gay community. Mm -hmm. And that's what you did.
3: Absolutely. Um, I met my partner first. We Mm -hmm. met when I lived in Nebraska and he was from Texas and we ended up just moving down there. But um, I definitely wanted to go to a bigger city. The biggest city I lived in in Nebraska was Omaha and it's still relatively small in Mm -hmm. comparison to other big cities. Uh, and Dallas seemed the most attractive to me. It's sort of a blue city in a red state. Yes. Uh, and I think it was a really good transitional for me mm-hmm. to like get there. I got to meet a ton of people. I got to party at a couple bars, even though I didn't really do that through my twenties. Mm. Uh, the early Because you were 20s, with the guy. Exactly. I mean, not that my goal when I go out is to get laid every time, but if I'm going out and, you know, <laughs> having a good time, I would like that to be on, you know, the agenda right. at some point. Uh, which I just never really did through my 20s.
1: Once he and I broke up,
3: I had a lot more experiences in Dallas, but...
1: Yeah. Absolutely. But I I also loved what you said about the fact that your hometown, small town, turned out one gay a year.
3: Yeah, (laughs) it really did. And that we didn't communicate properly back then.
1: Of course not. <laughs> was there a sort of a code of silence? Like you knew each other, but you didn't say anything. Uh,
3: one of them I was pretty sure was gay. Cause he was very lispy and very kind of flamboyant.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, the other one, um, I just sort of thought he was, but he had a super masculine brother that was in my class. And for some reason in my head, that didn't seem to go together. Like at that age to have like a super overly masculine brother and a, like a, A gay (laughs) brother (laughs) to have those opposites didn't make sense to me at that age right obviously it happens
1: right (laughs) uh yeah we had a gay year in my hometown but i was not out but there was one guy in a class above me who was older who was really queenie who got a lot of grief about it (laughs) and looking back I think at the time I was a little relieved that he sort of drew the attention to himself and away from me because I was not by any means masculine or performing heterosexuality. Like I gave up dating when I was a junior. I didn't go to dances with girls. I was a theater major, but somehow I managed to keep pretty much under the radar. (laughs) I did not. Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think everybody kind of knew I was
3: gay, and I never, ever denied it. If someone was like, Mm. you're a fag, I'd be like, shut up. I wouldn't even, like, tell them I wasn't. That's Uh, very brave of you. I mean, I feel like, even back then, I felt like I needed to be who I am. And I kind of didn't care about the consequences then.
1: Were you ever threatened physically or bullied? Uh,
3: no. I feel like at that point, everybody just kind of accepted me for who I was. I never felt like it was unpopular, but I was I don't know. I got. I had friends that were, like, um, the kids everybody did make fun of, and I had friends that were popular mm. kids. So mm. I felt like I fit somewhere in this weird, like, space in the middle yeah. where I could just kind of, like, live my life and get the fuck out of that town as soon as I could. And what year
1: did you graduate high school? 96. Okay. So you're five years younger than me, so... But still, for 96... That still seems pretty cool for small town Nebraska, that you were sort of able to be quasi out. True. and Definitely not not out,
3: but not denying it.
1: But (laughs) I feel like that is out for our communities that we come from. And if you're not denying something and you're not performing heteronormative behavior, then you're basically out true. I'll accept that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to do that and to navigate that when you don't have a community or people you can talk to, you know? Yeah. I never, even at
3: that age, I never felt like I needed to be somebody I wasn't. I feel like I spent so many years of my life uh, being self-conscious and being ashamed of how I looked and who I am and what I'm attracted to. And when I look at that person now, I feel like my renaissance has just kind of happened in the last like two years. Like my sexual, I don't know if this is my peak. I, I would like to think it's not my peak. But uh, what I've kind of narrowed down what I'm attracted to and what I like. And when I think of that old person, like when I think of the old me, it makes me really sad for me, because I feel like I wasted a lot of time and energy on things that ultimately did not matter. Um, I just wish I had told myself, I'd given myself the advice to start experimenting a little bit more, to um, find out what you want before you start settling down with these men. Um, I'm happy with all the experiences I've had, I've stayed friends with almost all my exes, Um, but I think that method of finding a
1: boyfriend works really well for me. I know that you were in a relationship for 10 years and it was monogamous. Mm -hmm. And then he cheated on you. Mm -hmm. And you've since then have had an open relationship with partners? Yeah. Every
3: partner I've had since then, I had... The guy immediately after him, I didn't go into the relationship. I told him at the start of it, this is something I feel like I need. I don't have a lot of experience. I am attracted to men of all kinds and I don't necessarily want to be tied down to a relationship because I want to have these experiences and he opened the relationship much to his dismay he wasn't really he didn't really want to but he was doing it because he loved me Uh, and we had some really good experiences and a lot of fun times together doing that we had a lot of weird rules when it started like if I was gonna go home with somebody, I had to text him and let him know I wasn't coming home. And I was like, "But you know what I'm doing, so why can't I just say I'm going home with somebody?" Like, yeah, doesn't it? I guess it made him feel better to just know that I was sleeping at someone's house, and it wasn't just because it was like a mm-hmm. hookup. You know what I mean? But then, you know, I would get drunk and I would go do the thing, and it would only take like ten minutes. I'm like, "Do I even need to text him at this point? Because I'm going home still." It just became weird and awkward. But now I'm in every relationship since then has been very open and a lot of communication and it's been with people who also want that Mm. out of their relationship. And Mm. it just seems to work out a lot better.
1: And do you find yourself having ground rules now or is that sort of no longer an issue?
3: Not really. Uh, the guy I'm dating now, um, it was the same situation. We hooked up once, became friends. Now we're boyfriends, uh, But we kind of went into that with a lot of communication, too. Like, here's what I'm attracted to. Here's what I like to do when I go out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I will probably want to hook up with other guys uh, for the rest of my life. So I can't imagine I'll ever be monogamous again. But my partner now is very open to it. And we discussed a lot of that before we even decided to start dating, Mm -hmm. which I think is important.
1: And now when you do hook up out of your relationship with your boyfriend... Do you guys tell each other? Yeah,
3: absolutely. I love hearing it. He loves hearing it. I actually, sometimes if I'm hooking up with someone, I'm excited to like finish it so I can immediately go tell him that it happened, Uh, (laughs) especially if it's really good sex or if we do something I've never experienced before. Right. It's a lot of fun.
1: I wanted to ask you that question because I think that a lot of people who don't have open relationships don't really realize that part being potentially a turn on. Yeah. Like, yeah, I hooked up. We did this. It was hot. Let's try it. You know, absolutely. so many different, uh, positive aspects of, of having an open relationship that a lot of people who have never considered it would not even think about. Yeah. What if do you think are the o- other benefits?
3: Um, I think it, it allows a lot more room for communication. Like if you're comfortable talking about things like that, you can pretty much talk about anything, mm-hmm. you know?
1: And have there been potential relationships in the past where you've brought up the open relationship thing and they were like, mm, no, uh,
3: not since the first guy um, after I left my 10 year relationship, the first guy I dated, that was the only one that I ever had any kind of weird hookup conversations mm-hmm. with. I was like, but you're benefited too. You get to hook up with guys too, <laughs> right? Uh,
1: it doesn't always work that way. No. Some people just aren't wired that way.
3: I have a couple of friends. I actually have a friend recently, who has already committed to marrying his boyfriend, but that's his biggest complaint in the relationship is that he doesn't get to be sexually open and do whatever he wants. Mm. And I don't know how to tell him like, that's probably not the right guy for you. If you're squashing this much of something that you're passionate about, this may not be the person you're compatible with if they don't, if they're not at least willing to let you explore it, like if you have to shut off this whole part of your personality yeah. to be with somebody, then maybe they're not the person to be with.
1: You would probably make a pretty good therapist. Uh, I think
3: so. <laughs> I'm a good listener. I'm a good judge of character. I can. <laughs> but that probably also helps
1: good. you out in bed. Yeah, being, you're probably being, right. Being good at sort of reading people.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> I don't really have a lot of bad sex. So maybe. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. That's. I'm that's
3: the common denominator, I guess. Right?
1: <laughs> you bring out the best in people. I try. <laughs> Why else be alive? Awesome. Except well, thank you for letting us listen to your private thoughts and. Of course. Also reflecting on them here.
3: Thank you for giving me a platform to do it. Honestly. <laughs> I love talking about sex. I think it's important. There's this weird stigma that surrounds sex, even now. I feel like forty years of my time being on this planet, we've made a lot of strides, and people are like more sexually open, or at least open to talking about sex and fetishes and kinks and the things that I don't know are exciting to them. But I feel like we have a long way to go, and there's a lot of people that are still very ashamed of liking what they like. Yeah, and I, ugh, it just breaks my heart.
1: Yeah, it's it upsets me too. Which is the whole reason why I'm doing this series. It's because I feel like we don't often get chances to talk about sex in a reflective way, right? And one where we're sort of encouraging positivity, but also sort of analyzing it mm-hmm. on a on a very basic level. You know, I feel like that's important. But and and as gay people, we have so much baggage to let go of it's true it's hard it's hard to let go of that and for me when i was coming out it was always helpful to hear other people talk about sex in a positive way yeah. made, made it easier for me to do it absolutely so.
3: i grew up in a really kind of sex positive home if i had questions about sex i could 100 percent go to my mom and ask her and she would answer me honestly so i feel like in that respect um i kind of had an advantage oh yeah but then growing up gay and growing up in a small town in nebraska of all places (laughs) there wasn't a lot of outlets for that and i feel like when i became an adult and moved out i started making poor decisions or i started like being ashamed again or feeling like i couldn't talk openly about sex and i don't Mm. know why that transition happened but i don't i kind of wish i hadn't (laughs) you know it was nice to grow up in an environment where i could
1: Talk about things if i wanted to i just wish i had kept that trajectory when i was younger yeah but you know you were young and you've since come around to the same openness as your mom had i guess definitely it, comes it was to- definitely
3: an influence for who i am today i have a hashtag called sex without shame and i created a t-shirt that says be the porn you want to see in the world <laughs> and porn is kind of a euphemism i guess for yeah. not just sex but for like life Just be yourself, follow your heart, do what you think is right. Uh, If you have interests, pursue those and you'll find other people that have that same interest. You're probably not alone, you
1: know. Right. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you. Of course. Thank you. (laughs) Fruit Bowl is a production of Fruit Bowl Media. All rights reserved. Check out fruitbowlpodcast.com to find out
2: more about the project. Thanks for listening.